You're listening to Wide Atlantic Weird, a collection of the best urban legends, unexplained happenings, and mysterious sightings from both sides of the Atlantic. A podcast where we believe the only difference between fact and fiction is that fiction has to make sense. I'm your host, Kean, and I'm broadcasting from the Wide Atlantic Weird Bunker, currently located somewhere in deepest, darkest Essex. Tonight I'm drinking Theakston's Old Peculiar, a dark, heavy ale from the mysterious moors of the Yorkshire Dales. It's strong enough to make you believe in any conspiracy. Now, tonight's episode was rather a long time in the making. It tackles a subject that I find both fascinating and repulsive. At times, I had to force myself to write it. But it's a subject that is of paramount importance if we are to truly understand today's weird, conspiracy-riddled, post-truth world. There aren't any personal anecdotes in this episode, or fictional tales. Just the one topic. Yes, this episode is about one Alex Jones and his feud with Joe Rogan. Stay tuned for all kinds of weirdness from home and abroad in Wide Atlantic Weird. This is a tale of two men. Two men who were once fast friends, colleagues whose offbeat, conspiracy-friendly worldviews meshed just enough to stoke both their careers. And this is also a tale of how these two men fell out, and how one of them found out that the followers of conspiracy theories are a fickle lot and quick to turn on their darlings. And then how they became friends again. Maybe. Yes, on this episode of Wide Atlantic Weird we're descending deep into the murky waters of conspiracy culture. The two men in question are, of course, MMA commentator and podcast extraordinaire Joe Rogan and arch conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Chances are you're aware of one or both of these gentlemen, but I'll give a brief overview of both their careers just in case. Oh, and I'll play this clip as well. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! There, let's get that out of the way. Now, I want to make one thing clear straight off the bat. In general, I'm a fan of the paranormal and of fringe theories, even if I generally don't believe them. I think they can be fun, and they can teach us a lot about how we interpret reality. I generally prefer not to take the uber-sceptical approach, assuming that all unusual claims are automatically false. I prefer to give all cases the benefit of the doubt, as I investigate them before coming to my conclusions. I don't like to call anyone a fraud or a hoaxer, unless I'm pretty certain that they actually are. Tonight's episode, however, is different. No, tonight, my friends, we're dealing with Alex Jones. And make no mistake, it is my contention that Alex Jones is an absolutely despicable human being. Alex Jones does not get the benefit of the doubt with me. He is a man who uses his influence and his vast following to demonise and harass the parents of murdered children. Now, take a moment to let that sink in. He and his worldview are dangerous, and I mean in no way to trivialise them. He is a perfect example of the depths to which conspiracy thinking can lead, and he is also a perfect example of why many intelligent people absolutely do not accept that fringe beliefs are harmless. Anything less from me than a complete disavowal of his ideas would be disingenuous and irresponsible. Alex Jones is scum. Joe Rogan, on the other hand, is more complicated. 
So he's a huge celebrity in the world of podcasting, of course. His show, The Joe Rogan Experience, being one of the most popular podcasts in the world, with millions of downloads and fans all over the world. For many people, Rogan's show was their first or only experience with the podcast medium. He's a breakout star, and his show appeals to a very broad range of listeners. Now, his is an interview show where he welcomes guests and lets them talk about their chosen subject. The show runs long, often to three hours or so, allowing Joe and his guests to get into lots of detail. This long-form format emphasises all the positive traits of podcasting, I think. The intimacy, the perceived authenticity of the host and the guests. The listener gets to spend far more time on a given subject than even with any professionally produced documentary. And this, too, creates the feeling that whatever they're hearing must be true. For me, one of the reasons for his success has also been his traditional tendency to have fringe thinkers on the show as guests. We are, it must be said, living in a time in which people have a strong distrust for authority and a hunger for alternative explanations for the problems the world is experiencing. I think the title of Tom Nichols' book, The Death of Expertise, nicely sums up the moment we're living in. Rogan prefers to hear these alternative takes on history or politics or science. His tone is reminiscent of a college bro who likes to maybe get a little pseudo-intellectual after smoking some weed. Whoa, man, what if it is all just a dream? As he puts it himself, he's an open-minded guy, the kind of guy who likes to question everything. This sounds positive, but in practice, this leads him quite often into the slippery realm of conspiracy thinking and anti-intellectualism. The guests Rogan has on his show, because of their fringe beliefs, often inhabit a somewhat paranoid version of reality in which they see themselves as lone heroes for truth, battling against a vast organised conspiracy. For one example, Rogan peddled the moon landing conspiracy for many years. For another, he often has alternative history journalist Graham Hancock on his show, now, Hancock pushes a fringe archaeological belief that all ancient human civilizations stem from one original Atlantis-like super-civilization. So these are the sorts of ideas Rogan likes to discuss on his show, usually allowing his guests to present their unconventional ideas without much criticism from him. At first, one may be inclined to say, well, what's the harm? Indeed, these ideas are fascinating and they don't seem to be problematic at first, in their details, they often aren't. Hancock's alternative take on mankind's history, for example, though unsupported by mainstream archaeologists and, to my mind, probably not being true, but what's the harm in discussing such an idea? Well, OK, there's no harm, really. But the problem for me is that when these guests come to believe that because mainstream science doesn't support their ideas, well, they tend to become deeply suspicious of these more traditional views. If you listen to enough of them, you begin to see science not as a necessarily conservative beast that requires lots of solid evidence to change its mind about a well-established theory, a process that is sometimes boring but certainly necessary. No, instead, scientists, or authorities of any kind really, become people to be suspicious of. In this worldview, the more expertise someone has, the more suspicious we should be of them. To a conspiratorial mind... Expertise itself is a negative thing, 
as it implies that a person has spent more time within the rotten, corrupt system and has simply been more thoroughly brainwashed. This leads to a worldview in which, to paraphrase a term used during the unfortunate 2016 Brexit campaign, we've had enough of experts. Any way you look at it, this is anti-intellectualism, and it's been leading to some very big political calamities recently. So to me, Rogan's genuine interest in fringe ideas has led him to frequently present this paranoid worldview without appropriate context. As an enthusiast of minority beliefs, he rarely counters his conspiracy-minded guests with other points of view, leaving listeners to conclude that Hancock and his like have more credibility than they really do. For this reason, while I don't find Rogan anything like as troubling as Alex Jones, I still think he has a responsibility to his huge listenership to present these ideas in context, something he repeatedly fails to do. Rogan is not at all the worst for this, but he is nonetheless a powerful player in the stoking of an anti-intellectual mindset, one that has in recent years had huge repercussions on world politics. In a world with no experts, my facts are as good as yours. As good as anyone's, really. We can choose to believe whatever we like, whatever reality we like, retreating deeper and deeper into conspiratorial fantasy whenever our beliefs are threatened, until, like certain current world leaders, we come to exist in an entirely fabricated world utterly divorced from any objective reality. Okay, that was heavy, but necessary. You see... This is the world inhabited by Alex Jones and his followers. Alex Jones first came to my attention several years ago. The Welsh journalist John Ronson, most famous for writing The Men Who Stare at Goats, had a fascinating TV show in the 90s called The Secret Rulers of the World. For my money, it's by far one of the most illuminating takes on conspiracy culture there is, and it's available on YouTube. Admittedly, this conspiracy culture has really changed and mutated in recent years, really accelerated thanks to the internet, and Ronson's show treats a decidedly 90s incarnation of the conspiracy world. But all the key touch points are there. As an intro to the subject, you can't go wrong with this one. If anything... It's rather chilling to look back and see how beliefs once thought fringe are now worryingly mainstream. Anyway, in one episode, Ronson investigates the rumour that a group of wealthy and well-connected elite politicians, businessmen and Hollywood moguls meet once a year at a sort of summer camp called Bohemian Grove in Monterio, California. Now in most episodes, he brings along a true believer conspiracy theorist and on this expedition... His companion is a baby-faced, gravelly-voiced young man by the name of Alex Jones. At this point in his career, the 26-year-old Jones is a syndicated radio host with a popular program about conspiracy theories. Already, he has developed a broad, overarching take on conspiracy culture, similar to that of his British counterpart David Icke, though without the lizard people. In Jones's world, a shadowy cabal of globalists are conspiring to take control over the world. In for a penny, in for a pound, as the old saying goes. And as with most conspiracy theorists nowadays, 90s-era Jones is happy to lump in just about every sinister conspiracy he can think of and add it to the NWO's list of crimes. Research, after all, has shown that believing in one conspiracy 
leads one to be more open to others. In this world, the NWO are always just about to gain the upper hand, and societal collapse is just around the corner. Authorities of any sort, especially scientists, governments, or mainstream media, are always suspect. Individualism, for many defined as the ability to be able to live off the grid, but for many to have the right to defend themselves with projectile weapons, is considered to be one of the highest virtues. Individuality of thought is often praised, though in practice this usually means being sceptical of the above sources and then being absurdly credulous when it comes to the claims of conspiracy theorists such as Jones. And as we'll find out, followers are quick to turn when a prominent conspiracy personality departs from the accepted script, showing how little respect they truly have for actual independent thought. All of these elements, so important today in conspiracy culture, were already present and correct in Alex Jones's repertoire when he met John Ronson to sneak into the woods at Bohemian Grove back in 2000. When they returned, what they had captured on blurry 90s-era video was quite astonishing. The most powerful men in the world at their private summer camp seemingly engaged in a mystical ritual. There were druid-like robes, there were flaming torches, and there was a giant carved owl statue looming over the revellers like an idol of some ancient god. The footage is, on first glance, quite shocking. When I first saw it, I certainly thought that it seemed to vindicate some of the conspiracy theorists' wilder beliefs. It's pretty weird stuff. But as host Ronson points out, listening to the language used during the ceremony shows that the event is in fact a metaphorical slaying of the cares and responsibilities that the guests have. It appears to be a ritual that shows, at Bohemian Grove, even the very powerful can goof off for a weekend. Jones, of course, chose to believe that the video was proof that the globalists were Satanists who sacrificed babies to dark pagan gods. Whatever the truth, this event made a star of Alex Jones. John Ronson, reflecting on this in more recent years, regretted giving Jones a considerable leg up on his ascent to fame. In 2016, an even more gravelly-voiced, though less baby-faced, Jones found an unlikely ally in one Donald Trump. I suppose the two saw something of themselves in each other. Both liked to cast themselves as outsiders, rugged individualists who were succeeding despite the elites who despised them. Now, Jones has always liked to describe his conspiracy-mongering as being non-partisan. He did, in fact, focus much negative attention on President George W. Bush during his presidency, believing Bush to be part of the Satan-worshipping, baby-eating elite. And being a little careful here, in those days, Jones was seen outside the White House protesting while dressed up as a Satanist, saying this is what George Bush looks like when he eats babies. So he has criticised the Republican Party on occasion. But with the rise of Trump, Jones hitched his wagon firmly to the Republican Party, and his conspiracy madness took a distinctly right-wing turn. Jones hosted Trump on his show and later supported the absurd Pizzagate conspiracy. He dove deep into the paranoid right's obsession with the likes of George Soros and Hillary Clinton. He ranted about the Democrats being interdimensional child molesters, and he promoted the ridiculous and absurdly prolific QAnon conspiracy. 
I think Jones saw which way the wind was blowing at this time. The consolidation of the deeply conspiracy-minded alt-right into a cohesive force clearly provided him with a vast new audience to tap into. As Trump's star rose on top of a vast bubble of post-truth hot air, it seemed as if Jones was his herald, a gravelly-voiced mouthpiece for the wide and deep fringes of Trump's followers. Though folks did briefly have a fondness for calling the orange one conspiracy theorist-in-chief, I've never felt that Trump is a true conspiracy theorist, though he does occasionally spout climate denial nonsense and likes to hint at a ridiculous deep state conspiracy, Trump lacks any real cohesive ideas of a conspiratorial nature, instead mouthing off rather inconsistently in whatever way seems appropriate for him at the time. Effectively, he just says whatever comes into his head, frequently contradicting even himself. And though this tends to place him at ground zero for the entire post-truth world, it took the likes of Alex Jones to foment a more <clears throat> consistent conspiratorial worldview to appease Trump's more fringe followers. Now, during all this time, Jones remained quite close with Joe Rogan. He appeared on the latter's show several times, busting out three-hour episodes in which he laid out his entire paranoid worldview. Rogan, as usual, never seriously scrutinised him, no matter how bizarre or troubling things got. They had been friends for years, Rogan would often say. He respected Jones as a dissident voice, someone who won't toe the party line, even if he didn't necessarily believe everything that Jones said. But things eventually changed. Rogan claims that doubts began to creep into his head. In the year 2013, he made a one-series TV show, Joe Rogan Questions Everything, in which he investigated various paranormal topics. During the making of the show, he had access to scientists and experts on the various topics he was studying, people who know quite a bit about what they're talking about. And during the making of the show, wouldn't you know it, he began to have doubts. So perhaps conspiracies weren't real. Perhaps the people who believed them weren't awake. Maybe there was no red pill. Rogan himself wasn't so circumspect, on his show, he bluntly said that conspiracy fans were loser guys who couldn't get laid, and that's why they needed to believe in crazy mysteries. All this, while he himself could not quite bring himself to entirely drop the moon landing hoax theory that was so dear to his heart. It's an incredible piece of radio, with Rogan twisting this way and that to avoid the conclusion he knows to be true, but which his heart could not agree with. It shows just how difficult it is, even when we have all the facts, for us to dismiss an idea that we are emotionally wedded to. But the damage had been done. Rogan's fans, who had previously championed his fringe leanings, became deeply suspicious. Why was Rogan now trashing the ideas he had once supported? Could it be that he had simply changed his mind because he had learned more about the subject? Of course not. Don't be naive. In conspiracy theory culture, no one is ever allowed to just change their mind. At least, not without making themselves the target of suspicion. The only answer was that they had gotten to Joe Rogan. He had been compromised. The feds, or the CIA, or the NWO had approached him with an offer he couldn't refuse. And now he was nothing but a shill promoting their lies. Rogan's various Reddit feeds changed their tone. Reddit, ever the pulse of the internet dropped Joe Rogan like they'd have dropped Krusty the Clown selling canyon arrows. 
His videos and podcasts received thousands of negative comments and ratings. The nadir of this was probably when Rogan interviewed Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. Rogan, as usual, gave softball questions and didn't exactly grill his guest. But while his paranoid ex-fans had thrilled when he did this to the likes of Alex Jones, they were disgusted when he did the same to Dorsey, whom they hated. The right-wing conspiracy world has long had deep suspicions about Twitter, believing that Twitter has an anti-conservative bias because it likes to remove hate speech. Hmm. Well, regardless of the truth there, Rogan did not try very hard to get answers about this in the interview. The episode received many more thousands of dislikes than likes, and Reddit once again rang out with the cry that Rogan was a shill, bought and paid for. He was, after all, a popular person in media, and that, in the conspiracy world, makes him incredibly suspect from the off. From here, former friend Alex Jones took Rogan to task, and all hell broke loose. The two began criticising each other on their shows, Rogan with the slightly hurt tone of a bro who can't understand why his bro has dumped him. Jones with much growling and bellicose rumbling, as usual with all the subtlety of macho man Randy Savage cutting a promo. Rogan tried to explain that he still loved Alex as a friend, but look, Alex, not everything has to be a conspiracy theory. Jones, in turn, told listeners to expect an interview with Rogan, but then interviewed a toy snake instead, giving it a silly voice to mock his former friend. I got Alex high and drunk, <laughs> and he started talking about interdimensional yeah. child molesters. Like, if anything, it showed people who he really is. But the good thing about it is, it showed people who Alex really is. I do not take Alex Jones's opinion on interdimensional child molesters seriously. <laughs> That guy has done some seriously twisted, crazy shit. There is no doubt about it. The Sandy Hook stuff. and, and Yeah, I didn't know about the Sandy Hook stuff, by the way, before we did the podcast. I knew that, that he believed a bunch of stupid con conspiracies that I genuinely just dismissed, but I didn't know that he was saying that those kids never die. I've been friends with Alex since 1998. I've known him for a long time. Yeah. I don't think he's a bad guy, but I think he's very wrong about yeah. a lot of things. He's very misguided about a lot of things. If you read George Soros talking points about me on air anymore, I'm going to tell folks not stuff I know from knowing you personally about 20 years, but about that damn CIA operation here in Austin. And you know that these things that you're saying are made up. You're making up the fact that I'm in the CIA. You're making up for the fact that the Hollywood insiders have given me information and tell me what to say. That's not true. You know it's not true. You know me. The breakup, its ridiculousness and hilarity, seems inevitable. Conspiracy belief is a dark, dangerous black hole that's swallowing up rational thought in today's culture. Rogan allowed it to fester on his show, thinking it a funny, silly sideshow to his anti-mainstream message. But he learned that red pillars are as sheep-like as those they rail against. Facts are useless against conspiracy belief. The belief simply mutates to accommodate the facts, usually implicating former allies in the process, like Rogan. Remember, to the paranoid, there's no such thing as simply changing your mind. And there's a rather incredible coda to this story. In February 2019, Jones and Rogan made up privately over the telephone. Jones came on Rogan's podcast again, and you guys, I just can't. It's five hours long, 
and as usual it features Jones breaking down and screaming and yelling about how the US government wants to kill babies and contact aliens using drugs. I just can't. I don't have an opinion on this part of the story, except to say that Rogan, while careful to wheedle an apology for the Sandy Hook thing out of Jones, still thinks it's funny to give this guy a huge microphone to spew his hate. Jones, in recent times, lest we forget, has even had to state in court that his on-air persona is not a real person, just him playing a character, similar to what Hulk Hogan had to do several years ago. And despite this, Jones' apologies for the damage he's caused still sound anything but genuine. Joe, Alex Jones is not your kind of funny, cantankerous old uncle. He's not even that clever but offensive friend we all seem to have. His hate has had real consequences. He has turned the minds of thousands to mush, and he has brought real misery to the family of dead children. You should know better. This has been a rather serious episode of Wide Atlantic Weird. You know, for much of my life, I thought my interest in conspiracy theories and fringe thinking to be a somewhat silly pursuit. Not anymore. I think we need to understand and engage with this way of thinking before more damage is done. And remember, the only difference between fact and fiction is that fiction has to make sense. If you like the show, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review. And you can occasionally chat to me on Twitter, where I'm at Strange Ireland, named after my previous podcast. So from the bunker, somewhere in the borderlands, thanks for listening. <laughs>